What's up, dudes? Welcome back to the NBA Hoops at Lunch show here on the Outkick Bets podcast feed. It's your homie, Jeff Clark, and it's the 1st of February. Um, we ended strong in January like we planned to. Finished 5-1 and one, um, Monday and Tuesday. Went 2-1 and one Monday, 3-0 and oh Tuesday. Um, I'll recap those bets in a second, but my first month recording this NBA Hoops at Lunch show, I'm four games above above 500 with a 33-29-1 record. Still got to make some ground up on my season-long record. That's um, still at a losing mark, but I'm happy with the direction that I'm heading in. I'm liking how, I, how, I, how I'm seeing these games. I'm liking my reads, and... I typically do well at this point in time of the year. Um, as I said earlier, or when I first started recording this podcast, November and December typically are, are, are months that I struggle in. January, I start to pick it up. And then around the All-Star break is when I, I kick it into high gear, typically. I'm hoping that that's the case this year because, again, I do have some ground to make up um, based on all the units that I lost in November and December. Um, but let's talk about the Tuesday, uh, January 31st performance where I swept my three picks. I took the Miami Heat plus four at the Cleveland Cavaliers. We got no closing line value. Um, it closed at plus four. So we didn't, I don't know, we didn't miss out on a, on a better number. Um, but we didn't need the closing line value. We didn't even need the points. Miami beat Cleveland outright 197. Miami hit three more three-pointers, grabbed six more rebounds, and attempted 13 more free throws. So they won three of the four factors. It was the right side, um, even though the Heat, I think, were down 11 early. So I was watching on my GameCast app because I went to like a sushi happy hour. Um, was a little nervous um, seeing that the Heat were down, I think, 16-5 to five at one point, but... It was a long game. I wasn't that worried, and um, Miami ended up getting home, albeit it was sweaty, but it was probably always going to be sweaty. You know, two of these, these teams both play at a pretty slow pace. They both have a great defense, so it was always going to come down to the clutch um, the clutch time performance from both teams. And like we said yesterday, Miami and Jimmy Butler specifically are a much better team in the clutch than the Cavaliers, so... Heat plus four cash for us. Uh, the next game that we hit, I took the Clippers minus three, minus one ten at the Chicago Bulls. Clippers won one oh eight to one oh three. We did get the worst of this number slightly. Um, Clippers close at minus two and a half, minus one fifteen. They lost the first quarter actually by twelve points, thirty two twenty, but then won the next three quarters. I actually. Uh, bet the Clippers plus 150 live, and I also took them plus 380 live. Um, I gave out the plus 150 number on Twitter, so be sure to, to to follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey underscore Clark um, for any live bets that I might put out there. I'm going to try to do that more so because, frankly, I'm, I'm doing really well live betting in the NBA this year. Um, even when I was losing money, I, I would offset some of those losses, which I'm sure – a lot of you aren't trying to hear, but you know, just shooting you straight. I did off shoot or offset some of those losses with live wagers, so I'm going to continue to bet live 
Um, and, I'll, and I'll continue to give out those picks mostly on uh, Twitter.com at my um, at my uh, on my profile at Jeffrey underscore Clark. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 33 points against Chicago. We mentioned how how much he's been balling lately. I think he was a little bit below 50% shooting, so higher volume, but still scored 30 plus. But Norman Powell is what I'm really excited about because I got him at plus 2500 preseason to win the Sixth Man of the Year. I did a NBA 2022-2023 awards breakdown where I gave my picks for the awards and any bets that I made. So I gave out Norman Powell at plus 2,500 to win sixth man of the year. Last night he scored 27 points on 7-11 shooting and he went 10 for 10 at the free throw line. Pretty sure Norman Powell is the second best bench scorer in the NBA. And if the Clippers continue to put it together and 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 finish the season strong as they were expected to um Norman Powell at plus 2500 is is going to be a good look if let's look at what the award is now or what the prices are now for that market um just making sure DraftKings does have the prices for six man of the year Russell Westbrook is the favorite at minus 130 Brogdon is second at plus 160, and then you got Powell and Maxi tied for third at plus 800. So got some line value on that one. Um, hopefully Norman Powell keeps balling out, and if the Lakers don't make any noise, Powell should be able to jump Westbrook. I am I am a little nervous about Malcolm Brogdon, but he's been plagued by injuries this whole year. Not saying he will get injured or definitely not wishing he'll get injured, but it is an outside possibility. Not even, not even outside, almost likely given his uh, career. But moving along, I, uh, again, swept. So I, I, I hit my third and final best bet yesterday. I went over 231 in the Nuggets-Pelicans game. Denver won 122 to 113. We got closing line value on this one, one point worth of closing line value. The total closed at 232. Three of the four quarters trended over 231, the number that we originally got. So that was the right side. Um, I believe the Nuggets were phenomenal from three, but they don't have any interior defense. So that's kind of what kept the the Pelicans around. And also, I'm pretty sure the Pelicans got to the foul line a whole bunch of times. So again, 3-0 Tuesday. I'm 5-1 currently in this week. Four games above 500 since starting this podcast. So end of January. Um, got a little choppy there, but end of January where I wanted to. Um, I have three games in the nine-game Wednesday NBA slate. The first one I'm taking, and all the picks, all the, the numbers that I'm giving you right now are in the post that I wrote for this late last night. Now, I'm getting a good number for the Kings. That's one of my three picks. I'm getting the current number, the same number with the Trailblazers, which I'll talk about here in a second, which is plus five and a half. Um, And I'm just going to take the worst of it with the Warriors and Timberwolves because I already have a bet in my account. I'm not going to bullshit you guys. So I took 239 and a half over 239 and a half from the Warriors Timberwolves. Currently it's at 238. So I'm giving the worst of the number, um, but I am going to, I am going to track it track my my podcast record along with the 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 written uh, numbers that I gave out earlier this morning. Hope that made sense. It felt kind of confusing as I was saying it probably just used too many words, so my bad, but 
First game, plus five and a half, Trailblazers visiting the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis is 32-18, Trailblazers 24-26. Tip-off is 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The Blazers have actually covered three straight with the Grizzlies, including earlier this year. Um, They covered us five and a half point underdogs at home in a 111-106 loss to Memphis. But Portland was missing their all-star and leading scorer, Damian Lillard. Um, Obviously, that makes a huge difference, and they were still able to cash um, uh, cash as five and a half point underdogs, even without Damian Lillard. Granted, Memphis was without their Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Jaron Jackson. Um, So both teams are, I guess, a little healthier. Well, not Memphis, actually. Memphis is missing um, center Steven Adams, which is a huge loss for Memphis because he's their tough guy, their goon, their interior presence, and and a big reason why Memphis is one of the best rebounding teams in the league. Um, Memphis's offensive rebounding rate drops by 9% when Adams is out of the game and for, um, offensively, and then 4.5%, um, Memphis has a 4.5% worse defensive rebounding rate when Adams is off the floor, according to cleaning the glass.com. So that's a major difference when Adams is on the floor, um, compared to when he's off the floor. And while Jackson Um, is an elite rebounder, rim protector, help defender, just a great defensive player. He's not really a great rebounder. He only averages 6.7 rebounds per game. And um, the Trailblazers wing, small forward, Josh Hart actually grabs 8.2 rebounds per game. And the only reason I bring that up is just to kind of demonstrate that, yeah, Jackson is a big, and yeah, he will be the Grizzlies' starting center, but... He's not gonna. He's not gonna pick up the the rebounding slack for the absence of Adams here, as much as you would hope he would. Also, one of Jackson's biggest issues is getting into foul trouble, um, and Memphis's defensive free throw attempt rate improves by three point six percent when Jackson is out of the game. As in, they're fouling at a 3.6% rate higher when Jackson plays. And it's, it's in a lot of ways because of him. The guy gets into foul trouble all the time. Um, they're, they're, the Grizzlies' defensive free throw rate is 3.7% better when Adams is in the game because he takes a lot less stupid fouls. Um, and, and I bring this up because the Trailblazers are second in offensive free throw attempt rate. And they have the third highest shot frequency at the rim. So Portland likes to get in the paint, likes to attack the rim, and they get opponents into foul trouble. If Adams, with him being unavailable, the Grizzlies really cannot afford to lose Jackson or else they're going to lose just most of their defensive, their interior defense. Um, And even though Jackson gets into foul trouble, he still has the best adjusted on-off net rating on the team, according to cleaningtheglass.com. Also, there's another injury that's very concerning for the Grizzlies. Um, Desmond Bain 
was listed as questionable in the injury report when I looked at it last night. I'm going to look at it again here in a second just to make sure he's still questionable. Um, Desmond Baines actually missed the past two games, and he's huge to what Memphis likes to do. Um, and he's got a plus 4.99 garbage time net rating. And Bain was the probably the best player on the floor in the first Trailblazers-Grizzlies game that Memphis won. So the the possible absence of Bain, just looked at the injury report, he's still listed as questionable. Um, and I, I think they might sit him tonight because the Grizzlies play the Cavaliers tomorrow. Um, so this is the first of a back-to-back. So either Bain sitting tonight or tomorrow, him being questionable, I think they just give him tonight off. And um, But we'll see on that. Either way, the possible absence of Bain and the definite absence of absence uh, of Adams, excuse me, is um, part of the reason why I'm, I'm, I am going to bet in the Trailblazers or why I have a, a bet on the Trailblazers. Also, this line just feels fishy. The Grizzlies were five-and-a-half-point favorites versus the Trailblazers in Portland without Dame Lillard. And now they're only five-and-a-half-point favorites versus the Trailblazers in Memphis. Um, I mean, granted, um, Dame Lillard was was absent that game, but Memphis is 15-8-1 against the spread at home this year and are one of the best home teams in the league since the beginning of last year. The Trailblazers have lost against the spread in their last eight road games. So um, this Grizzlies five-and-a-half point line feels suspicious. Also, the Grizzlies have been low-key awful lately. Even their recent win against the Pacers was choppy as hell. They were down double digits going into halftime before the Pacers just kind of fell off a cliff and and the Grizzlies got back into that game, but they did not look particularly good. I also Memphis does have one of the better defenses in the league, but the loss of Adams is going to hurt their defense and rebounding. And Memphis, their three-point defense, which currently ranks, bear with me, bear with me, their three-point defense currently ranks 12th in the NBA, which is pretty good. But it's misleading because... The Grizzlies allow a bunch of wide-open threes, and Portland shoots 40% on wide-open threes. So if the Grizzlies are going to allow Portland to chuck threes and sag off of them because they don't want to get Jackson in foul trouble and they don't want Portland to get in the paint, then the Trailblazers are going to light them up from behind the arc. So we're going to take the Trailblazers plus 5.5, and and between you and I, I am going to sprinkle Blake. Uh, fifth of a unit on on the money line, which is currently plus 190. All right, my second best bet, I'm going over in the Golden State Warriors at Minnesota Timberwolves game, which tips off at 8 Eastern Standard Time. Again, I gave it out this morning on outkick.com at over 239.5. It's down to 238, but I'm just going to play the 239.5 because I already made a bet at that number like, like a dumbass. So it sucks getting the worst of the number. I actually needed to get the um, I needed the closing line value that I got the other day to win Monday to win two of the three bets that I placed. So um, while I have talked shit on closing line value previously, it's definitely something that you want to get. It's it's preferable to get closing line value than than to get the worst of the number, just because 
you feel dumb getting, you know, a more expensive price than what ultimately becomes available. Um, but the, the Warriors Timberwolves have a streak of eight straight overs played. Um, and that extended to eight when Golden State beat up on Minnesota 137 to 114 at the end of November. That was a 237 point total. So it went over by, I think, 14 points, if my math is correct. Um, I, neither offense has been good lately. Um, the T Wolves offense has really struggled, but I'm expecting a bounce back game because. Of how these teams play, the stylistic matchup. Um, Golden State actually plays at the fastest pace in the NBA. Minnesota is the fifth fastest pace. So, you know, more possessions generally equals more points. Both teams are phenomenal at three-point shooting or at effective field goal shooting. The Warriors are fourth. The Timberwolves are fifth. But it, it is for different reasons. Um, Golden State's got two of the best three-point shooters ever, and Minnesota is uh, is great inside the paint, and Anthony Edwards is very special um, at the rim, and, and he's been balling lately. I also think Men- Memphis or uh, Minnesota's aggressiveness is going to help our over bet because Golden State is 25th in defensive free throw attempt rate. So as long as Minnesota continues to, to attack the paint, um, they should be able to get to the free throw line fairly easy. Uh, that said, the Timberwolves do struggle on at at sending opponents to the free throw line. They're 20th in defensive free throw attempt rate. Um, Grizzlies big, excuse me, Timberwolves big Rudy Gobert is listed as questionable right now. If he doesn't play, um, that's obviously a huge loss for Minnesota's defense. Gobert is a three-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. The Timberwolves score, or they allow 7.7 more points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time when Gobert is off the floor. I'll say this, even if Gobert plays, the Warriors are very familiar with him and, and can pick and roll him to death. So I'm not that tripping if, if Gobert ends up playing in this game. Um, both teams are pretty careless with the ball, and turnovers generally lead to easy points on the other end. Minnesota is 28th in offensive turnover rate. Golden State's 29th. Um, the Warriors actually give up the second most points off of turnovers per game, and the Timberwolves are 5th in defensive turnover rate and 8th in points off of turnovers per game. So if if Golden State's clumsy with the ball in this game, which they usually are, Minnesota's going to score a bunch of easy back at baskets, which is going to obviously help our over. The The game script or the way I see it playing out is I see it being a, a good offensive back and forth for three, three and a half quarters before the Golden State and before the Warriors end up burying them with threes at the end. So very similar to the 137-114 final score. I'm I'm anticipating the Warriors winning, let's say, 130 to um, 112, something like that. So it could be a sweat, not a ton of value in the over, but, I mean, it is a, it is a big number for a reason. Um, and, and lastly, Golden State's offense generally plays really well on the road. The Warriors are 9-1-1 one, and one to the over as road favorites this season. They got a, a plus 11.5 um, over-under margin in those games. So our second best bet is one that we already locked in. Um, 
but we're going to go over 239.5. Last thing, though, in this game, I I, I, I just want to – I might <laughs> – this point might even be stupid because I didn't even check the uh, officiating crew for this game, but hopefully we have a more over-friendly officiating crew. We're going to figure this out in real time. We're not going not to edit this shit. Um, two of the three officials – have officiated more overs in this Warriors-Timberwolves game, albeit it's only one game above, uh, one game over 500 to the over, if that makes sense. So we figured it out in real time, but there's not much of an edge to be gained from the official, uh, the officiating crew for this one. Either way, you've already heard my handicap here, over 239.5 in Warriors-Timberwolves. And then the final best bet, not much analysis here, but I'm going to lay seven and a half points with the Kings at the San Antonio Spurs because the Spurs are clearly tanking. The Kings have a lot to play for. You know, they're they're motivated by their coach, uh, first year coach Mike Brown. I think has motivation. He's um, he was fired for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, bounced around as an assistant for a number of years, and and, and finally uh, gets a young roster to kind of bounce back with and and show that he shouldn't have been fired in the first place by by the Cavaliers. Again, this was years ago and I, he had a brief stint with the with the Lakers and he got that Kobe death stare if you remember that uh <laughs> and and Mike Brown got fired after I think like a, a month um coaching the Lakers. Um but the motivation of Mike Brown is similar to the motivation with the rest of the Kings roster. I mean, they have between De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, two players that were counted out. Um, they have a lot to prove. They have to they they have to prove that they are players worth building a team around. And and the Kings usually this year at least have beaten up on bad teams. They're fifteen and five straight up versus teams of the bottom ten. Net rating. They have the second best adjusted net rating and the second best ATS margin versus bottom ten teams. Uh, the Kings are six and two as road favorites, seven and one, and and road games versus teams a losing record. Um, if Sacramento had a tough game on its schedule upcoming uh, or on the next game, then I would maybe be concerned with them overlooking San Antonio, but. The Kings have lost three of their last five games, so they kind of need to use this as a bounce-back, get-right game, and I think they do, and I think they just bludgeon the, the Spurs. So my final best bet is the Sacramento Kings minus 7.5 at the San Antonio Spurs, along with over 239.5 in the Warriors, Timberwolves, and the Trailblazers plus 5.5. Best of luck, homies, and I will talk to you Thursday, February 2nd. Peace.